Welcome to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I am the DJ, and with me today I have Devi Boy and the Professor. How do you do, Chads? <laughs> I am swinging the money as my stocks have gone up four thousand <laughs> percent. I don't believe you. You told I'm... me earlier that you wish you'd gotten in on this. So <laughs> shush! I got in. I used time travel and convoluted methods. I a hundred percent. Earn a million dollars. <laughs> so uh, I see you. Uh, I, I see you heard about the glitch, huh? The glitch? You mean our slash Wall Street bets? A hundred percent. A lot of people are calling this the um, the GameStop infinite money glitch. <laughs> I mean, it pretty much is right. <laughs> I'm waiting for Spiffing Brit to make a video on this. I'm waiting for Sorian to make a video. Oh. Wait, Spiffing Brit just needs to make a video. The um. The stock market is entirely broken. <laughs> it's all wrong. Are you, are, you, are you guys actually going to do it, or are you going to like watch this whole thing unfold? Well, we can't, can we? Because it's traded on the US stock exchange. I, uh, I, technically, technically, you can, but not. Yeah. you got to do foreign exchange or whatever it is. Yeah, foreign exchange, stock exchange, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I have a, it, it's I, pretty inconvenient. I have a friend of mine. He's put he has put in um a, a number of shares on it. Actually, he uh put in about forty bucks and took four of it for a uh, hundred and fifty, and he's got six left, which are now at three hundred and fifty dollars ish. So boy. yeah, give it another few more days, and it might go up. To, it, it might go up. So it could also crash to zero. Yeah. Yes, that's the other thing it'll watch out for. That's the the risk of the stock market. Nobody's ever actually come up with a. Accurate prediction model. <laughs> My prediction is it's going to crash at some point. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so much. Um, there is so much hype for this, though. I've I've heard like Elon Musk has joined in the fray as well. Yes, he has. Um, <laughs> tons of other people as well. I mean, I know there's been some news. Some uh, millionaires got in as on the game as well. Like it's all going crazy. <laughs> I know Elon's a meme lord, but does he really need to get in on this? He's the richest man on earth. I mean, it's... Come on, he's... Well, I don't know whether he's still the richest man on earth, but... I think he probably is, considering he overtook Jeff Bezos by a long way. Yeah, he has. He's the richest man on earth now. Yes, he's the richest man on earth right now. Um, Like, he just throws his money around, you know, doing whatever he likes. I mean, he, he, he memes things up. To increase his public image, basically. Yeah. His strategy is basically be hip and cool without hey, being fellow, fellow kids. kids. Yeah. <laughs> hey, fellow humans. <laughs> Do any, any of you boys want to go to, to Mars? I can I, I can I I can see Elon Musk. The next best thing, next thing he'll do is like he'll buy up VR chat and just do something crazy. Maybe maybe host like breakdancing battles. That's bad, DJ. That's always a bad, and you should feel bad. You should feel very bad. That was not good. (laughs) I'm sure Devi Boy is part of one of these underground breakdancing clubs. Um, Well, (laughs) he says yes. (laughs) He's admitting it. No, 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 definitely not. No, no. (laughs) What are you talking about? I mean, I'll admit I have explored a few. But I haven't been involved much because I've had a VR headset. Um, I haven't really been using it much. Yeah, and you got to do the whole full tracking stuff. Uh, using uh, additional trackers attached to different parts of their body. Yeah. There, there are some guys who just spend like $10,000 to get a whole, you know, full body tracking suit as well as touch sensitivity suit and 
you know, 3D face, face, space tracking uh, VR software and things, all this stuff running, just saying play VR chat. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Well, the technology is so cool. I mean, true. Like, it is, is but... Closest we have to sci-fi VR. Yeah, you're not wrong. It so, is. So, Professor, you've got a story about this, though. Yes. South Koreans are breakdancing in VR chat using <laughs> custom full body tracking setups. Oh, beautiful. So, so tell us more. How and why is this breakdancing uh, situation taking taken off? Well, normally you go out and you breakdance with your buddies out in public, but you can't do that at the moment because you're owner. So what's the next best thing? The internet. <laughs> and... Why bother putting up just a single angle camera pointing at your bedroom while you break dance on the floor? Why not dive straight into VR and let people view you from any angle? Sounds like a good idea. And makes sense. <laughs> you're like oh. well, da- dancing in VR chat, all of a sudden you're about to do this one cool move and all of a sudden the wire, wire from the VR just like flies out. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, it's got to be awkward when someone walks into your room and sees you just breakdancing in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> well, the examples they have in the article are using wireless adapters. Mm, makes sense. But, you know, I'm impressed that it can hold up to this. There are videos in the article, and I highly recommend watching them. All right, I'll do it right now. The <laughs> yeah. chat breakdancing. Yeah, the article that we've included in the show notes has um, some in-game footage and some out-of-game footage. What the hell? I know. I'm impressed that the software can even keep up with that. Dude, this is crazy. Many. Oh, man. How much? There must be like a crazy amount of uh, mocap suits and whatnot. Well, it's not proper mocap, but Makoto from South Korea uses a headset with a wireless add-on. The index controller is attached to his wrist and the Vive trackers, which are these additional trackers you can get. Um, I don't know of many games that actually integrate them, apart from this, obviously, but they're not part of the core experience, so you buy them separately. And he's mounted them to his waist and feet. And I'm then actually, there's a video of him dancing in real life wearing this getup. Are you talking and about quit, quit, somehow Chris? he doesn't smash his headset into the ground when he does a flip. Are you talking about Chris Quit's reality? No, Makoto, the guy oh, whose okay. name I literally just said. Oh, my bad. I'm, in I'm the article that we're talking about. My Come bad. on, DJ, keep up. <laughs> I'm watching um, an, a YouTube video where someone's doing it as well. Uh, it's called Full Body Trolling in VR Chats by Chris Quit's Reality, and it's... Oh, it's interesting to look at. Yeah, so the International Dance Association is doing tournament dance battles in VR chat. (laughs) So it's expensive to get into, and you probably don't want to uh, do it until you've got some training under your belt and know you're not going to smash your controllers. But you got to watch the video because I am honestly amazed that the software keeps up with this. Imagine the level of coding just just to get all the movements right as well. Yeah, and making sure your knees don't bend backwards and all of that. <laughs> and, l- and let's not forget the boob jiggle physics, guys. Boob jiggle physics. It's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's um that is a thing that I think is in VR chat. It's a thing <laughs> the world didn't need, but people did anyway. <laughs> VR chat is weird. But you gotta give them props for um coming up with an innovative way to me- to um do something though. 
Yeah. And so leading on from people just doing it in VR chat because they can, people are adding in, like creating new software that takes advantage of even more points of tracking. So uh, Makoto is playing, also playing Neo's VR, which is, in this case, he's using 11 points of tracking. Which means that the movements in the video in the in the game are going to be even more natural. I can't wait for this. Like, I'm really hoping this is the push to commodify um, full body tracking. So we're so we're slowly slowly but surely creeping into Ready Player One territory. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Hey, eh? it's uh, it's all true. <laughs> it's all real. Although that being said, though the interesting part's going to be like imagine judging and you be like. Okay, we we need to know whether this person is actually is actually a human or just a bot. Yeah, and um, do you remember last year the F one racer who got in trouble for hiring a double to race the in the VR racing game they were using? Oh yeah, <laughs> that was funny. Can you imagine being the judge and you'd be like, "All right, we want you. We need you to uh, reveal the identities. If you don't want to do it in public, we can do it in a in a, in a random chat." Oof. They could probably do something like that to verify ID. Yeah, I think it, it's yes, be... I wonder. That's an interesting point you've brought up. I wonder if anyone will ever do, uh, ever make a bot to VR breakdance for them. Uh, honestly, I can see happening. How much? Yeah, is... you'd uh, pre-program the dance moves and then just have your your bot do them, do the dance when you're ready. What's the biggest flaw you guys reckon? Well, besides the uh, bots, what's what are the other biggest flaws you think there might be? Uh, they might encounter. Yeah. Well, I think there's the the biggest issue is going to be the fidelity of tracking that many um, trackers at a time. But there seems to be some good progress being made in that. How much is the uh, entrance fee again for jo- joining up this tournament? Uh, I don't know if it's in this article here. Affordability is going to be the biggest problem, especially to, trying to get trying to afford a VR headset just to join this uh, dance tournament. Well, yeah, it's worse than that because you can run uh, you can run VR chat in on a flat screen or use a watch a streamer or whatever. But to actually take part, you need the headset, the controllers, and the additional trackers. You know what's going to be absolutely funny, guys? Imagine VTubers now jo- embracing this and doing it breakdancing in the middle of a U- YouTube stream. <laughs> I could see it now, Corona dancing, <laughs> dancing crazily on the, on the dance floor. My other biggest problem would be the internet speeds. Imagine like someone's someone's internet speed versus another person's internet speed like fast versus slow you're like oh crap <laughs> my internet shut down <laughs> I, I'm st- yeah leg out and just clip through the floor <laughs> yeah that will happen with any sort of virtual environment yeah i mean the biggest issue with vr currently is it's, just, it's very buggy still like it works fine on video games but doing anything that requires fast motions gets you confused so I don't think it'll be long until it's like ready um, for like professionals and things like that. Yeah, the Neo's VR video that Makoto has, the tracking in that is already significantly smoother than the tracking in the VR chat videos. Mm-hmm. So I think. I mean, VR chat itself is usually just pretty laggy in general. That's not yeah. exactly the most optimized game in history. I think we'll see more dedicated breakdancing and uh, full tracking setups in software. That will help deal with that sort of issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. In time. In time.
crazy part's going to be like this sort of like tracking and whatnot. Do you reckon this one, this will be a, a check? a change with all the mocap uh, animation and stuff? It's like, very similar to mocap, actually. Yeah. Because you're using a specially equipped camera and specially equipped trackers, but mocap suits have so many more trackers than a uh, VR setup. So I maybe for low-budget stuff, but I think the people will be using uh, proper mocap suits for a while yet. Mm. Yeah, I agree. That's a interesting application of it, though. If you're just some indie studio, a VR headset is probably probably cheaper than doing full mocap. Yeah, but you're imagine right. Imagine if Red vs. Blue had been done all this time with oh um, with VR. <laughs> <laughs> that could be really nice. Okay, I have a question for in terms of Red vs. Blue stuff. Is Machinima as a genre um, a dead concept at this point, or? It's past its peak. Yeah, I wouldn't. I think it's. It's not that it's died out. I think people just led on to actual animation now instead of just you know machining things up inside actual video game engines. Yeah, we have better quality animation tools available to the general public now. Yeah, exactly. So it's not exactly a whole push to it anymore. And one of the big things that I think replaced it is sourced filmmaker. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, DJ, when you get a VR headset, are you going to be showing off your moves? <laughs> yeah, I'll show off my moves when I uh, when I put some money and win win the uh, GameStop lottery. Wait a minute, DJ. We already talked about this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Bizarrely, we did. <laughs> I mean, Debbie Boy, you can add in some stu- add in more stuff if you like. <laughs> <laughs> to what again? Sorry. The GameStop um, story. Oh yeah, because we got we, we breezed through that like yeah. so fast. You, you did your shitty segues and we went, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the last couple of days has just been exploding. I, the last three days, it's jumped like $100, $200. It, it's, it's impossible to describe just how astronomically huge it's getting. Um, it's gone to the point now it's being investigated by the federal government. Well, not the government itself, but those institutions, right? And it's also um, t- destroying a ton of, uh, what's the name, hex funds? Hedge funds, um, yeah. Yeah, because like, they're all betting. Basically, the whole point of this began is because people on Wall Street bets were ones making me mouth, tons of investors basically saying GameStop's dead. Um, so basically how hedge fund works, basically, people you take a loan from the bank, basically. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's how it goes. I've never done trading before. I want to get into it, but um, I, people can correct me on this comments or something. I don't know. So basically, take money from the bank and you basically put it into a hex fund bank saying, this thing, again, I bet this money on this thing dying or going up or down, right? So this case, they put the, took money from the bank and put it into... GameStop dying. And now GameStop has three times over its highest ever um, share price. So all those banks want the money back. So tons of people are going into debt. <laughs> the other um, thing is, though, so the short selling. So if I buy a share, well, I borrow a share from you for $10 and sell it to someone else for $5, I have to hope that um, the price of the share goes down below $5 before I have to give it back to you. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I lose money. Currently, GameStop is short sold up to about 125% of its actual share volume. I'm not sure exactly okay, what okay, that guys, means in terms uh, of economics. 25 minutes ago, GameStop shares, $420. Oh my gosh. Yeah, sounds all right. It's gone up a bit for a company that like was this close to not existing about a year ago. <laughs> They've only shut down 800 stores in the past two years. 
Yeah, that, that sounds about right. And the, the crazy part is, um, what was earlier today I heard that the uh, Wall Street Bets uh, Discord server has shut down by has been shut down. Apparently, yeah, it's back now. Oh, or it's at back least now. it's up where it is. It was mostly. I don't think it was Reddit themselves. I think it was the actual moderators because they're having such a spam of information. But maybe hearing conflicting conflict information for everyone. So, you know, it's difficult to understand sometimes. But here's the interesting part with this. Do you reckon this is a this is a sign of interesting things to come in terms of share marketing? I mean, this is a bit this is a bubble. A very, very big bubble. Yeah, it, it, it's gonna pop sometime, and that time is not known. Probably not oh. far though. Yeah, I'll give it three days. Bias episodes out. I'll recommend. I'll say for you popped, but that's uh, you know, you never know. I, I can't really put a finger on it because basically, runs, basically, it's it, two ways. It's going to pop from just imploding itself, or it's going to keep going until each share roughly reaches a thousand dollars each. Which at that point, everyone basically says they're going to sell. So who knows? Who knows? Now I wonder like- how and then game that. Knowing that everyone wants to sell at a thousand, I'm not sure how you how you would game it, but I'm bet there's a way because stock market is all about gaming stuff. Pretty much, hey. So all of yeah. this weird money stuff. Exactly right. And the drama involved in this whole thing is insane. Like people are accusing uh, others were like, "Oh, you go, this is uh, this is not right. You should do a hedge funds. Hedge funds are the thing." Like. <laughs> Well, whatever happens, it's surely going to be interesting. It's going to change how people view online uh, communities in terms when it comes to money, definitely. And how they're going to change the share market. Yes. I wonder, I have to wonder if this is going to um, lead to any new regulation. Oh. Or is there going to be an investigation? Like, who's behind this? Who started it? Is it someone who... Uh, has money riding on GameStop, went into Wall Street Bets and started memeing it up to take advantage of it. Get a bunch of internet meme lords to follow you and just point them at your enemies. There's a video <laughs> I was just watching called Graham Stephen, the uh, in GameStop infinite money glitch explained. He po- he posted up an interest, posted up an explanation of how this whole thing has started. And <laughs> this is... Go- it, it, this is going to be the um, GFC 2.0, I, I believe. I don't think it'll be that bad. No, it's not going to destroy the world. It's mainly just going to have a lot of people losing a lot of money. <laughs> Someone made an interesting tweet. Um, GameStop sitting amongst Tesla and Amazon after Reddit users made it a for- Fortune 500 company. Yeah, no, I saw that one. That's really good. <laughs> I was like, that's brilliant. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's 2020 is bringing, bringing in... A new year full of amazing things. <laughs> Would you try it though? Me put money in? No. 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 I'm, uh, it's too volatile right now. <laughs> I wouldn't want to waste any money. Speaking of volatile, there's a certain series that's quite volatile right now. Oh, a new TV series, eh? <laughs> oh, not yet. But uh, before we had, before uh, besides that TV series, there was there's another volatile situation going around. Uh, with uh, Google. Did you just segue out of my segue? Yep. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I just say it. <laughs> but uh, but uh, before we go, before we see the the battle of uh, the the battle of Google, uh, there's a battle of of um battle of wizards going on. And uh, now you segue out of a segue into a segue. Yep. <laughs> 
God damn it, TJ. <laughs> so there's a Harry Potter live action series in early development um, uh, on the works, and it sounds interesting. So Warner, Warner Media is engaging in multiple comp- conversations with potential writers exploring various ideas that would bring the beloved property to television. Uh, expanding the world of Harry Potter remains a top priority for the HBO Max and Warner Brothers, along with creator J.K. Rowling, controls the rights of the property. Harry Potter is um, Warner Brothers' most valuable pieces um, of IP, even if you, and, and it's also worth pointing out that it remains a beloved franchise, even though Rowling has sp- sparked a big, big. Yeah, it turns out she's not the uh, most progressive person. <laughs> oh, so she's not the brightest either. Like, just ignoring the things she says about real, real life stuff, the things she says about the wizards themselves. So. The ridiculous thing. Apparently, recently she came out and said wizards didn't have toilets until hundreds of years after the toilet was invented. <laughs> yeah. I now, the reason for that is that up until then, wizards would just go on the floor and use magic to get rid of it. But you're not taught the spell that would help you deal with that until fourth year. Uh, and what, what were they going to use? Like a black ho- a mini black hole? Like, yes. Pretty I'm much. Poop, poop, all my poop. I'm going to flash all the people through a mini black hole it may it may not have wide what it may it may have wide um wide implications but um i screw it yeah see my gripe with jk rowling when it comes to harry potter is when she adds like later on stuff like the you know, the one with the wizards and toilets the other stuff like she recently announced that oh i uh, dumbledore is actually gay you're like really well, the implication that Dumbledore's gay was in the original books. Yeah, but she, but that was way before, like the books. Wait, the books came out after um, she said that tweet, though, didn't it? No, I'm pretty I'm sure, sure it didn't. Hmm. And like she, she would drop all these like stuff on 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 it uh, even after the series are over, and you're like, oh, come on, man, <laughs> why didn't you put this in the book? Why? Well, yeah, it's implied, but. They never really go into it, yeah. mostly because there's not a whole lot of point. They, um, the story is not about Dumbledore and his gay lover. It's a story about Harry Potter. Otherwise, it would be called Dumbledore and his gay lover and the Goblet of Fire. <sighs> so, so the yeah, they imply that his, um, his best friend was actually his lover. But, you know, it's um, one of those things they... Don't don't go into depth because they don't really need to. It's yeah. not part of the story. Well, that's what they're planning to do. So the plans for the TV series is they should be seen as a rightful extension of the property at a time where Warner Media is prioritizing its streaming services. So the platform is a streaming home of DC films, multiple TV spin-offs, and originals already in works. So do we uh, know what era the Harry Potter show is going to be in? Because we've no got work. the second Wizarding War covered. We've yeah. got, I think the, um, I'm pretty sure the Fantastic Beasts are supposed to be for the first Wizarding War. It's been a while since I've read it. Uh, but Fantastic Beasts is about Grindelwald. And then there's the first Wizarding War, which happens another 30 or 40 years later. They haven't really announced anything on it, but I'm guessing it's going to be based on 
Tom Riddle's life, like in terms of how what he was actually like. You know, they will say they will say like, "Oh, Tom, this was what Tom Riddle did, and Tom Riddle did that." And they go, they recent. So they're following the, what Game of Thrones has happened with uh, the uh, with Harry Potter. Three of the uh, stars are coming back to, for the TV series. Okay, which three? Uh, they haven't. Uh, no, hang on a second. Oh wait, no, not 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 the not the Harry Potter. This is um, sorry. Sorry, uh, oh. it's uh, Sex in the City. It's co- it's like shows like Sex in the City and uh, H and Three Game of Thrones are coming back as well. Like Sex in the City, three of the girls are coming back on that one. So I don't know for this one, I I, I would like to see maybe the Cursed Child as a t- as a series. You're the only one. People who have read the Cursed Child or seen it all universally admit that it really sucks. Really? Yeah. Apparently, it's a really bad story that's inconsistent with uh, the other books. How inconsistent are we saying? Like, uh, they even did they um, retcon the whole lore and stuff, or is it just? Uh, not so much the lore, but some of the characters get retconned. Really? Okay. Yeah. Like get one of me- the main characters is supposed to be the. Um, secret love child of Draco Malfoy's wife and Voldemort or something <laughs> along those lines. What? But the thing is, Voldemort's incapable of love. That's why Voldemort's a bloody lunatic. Oh, uh, maybe before, may- maybe before the, um, maybe before he went insane with power? No, because then the timeline wouldn't add up because Draco's the same age as Harry. So the, by the time Voldemort is permanently killed, at the end of Deathly Hallows. They're only yeah. like 19. So, and Voldemort's only been back for about three years when they kill him at the end of Deathly Hallows. So it's not like uh, he wasn't insane for those three years since he was a complete bloody nutter before they killed him the first time. I mean, maybe they could also, I mean, besides the Cursed Child, they could also talk about uh maybe harry's parent harry's parents time at hogwarts in a, f- a much more detailed way they could talk about that i mean we we do get like flashes of me- of, of um scenes where of Severus snape and um lily and uh that dang i forgot the dad's name now lily and james yeah lily and james's uh time at hogwarts maybe we could talk there could be a talk about that one yeah, I think an interesting period to cover would be the Marauders. Ooh, yeah, they haven't really, they didn't explain much about the Marauders. Yeah, maybe have the first couple of seasons be about them at school getting up to mischief. And then the last season or couple of seasons can be the ball of the Marauders because um, Sirius and Pettigrew join, uh, yeah, Sirius, Pettigrew and Snape. No, Snape, Snape's not one of the Marauders, turtle brain fart. But Sirius and Pettigrew join Voldemort and James and Lupin, the good guys. So we could have a bit of a plot line about them going up against each other and, you know, arguing about who's right. Sort of like Dumbledore and Grindelwald uh, implied to have done. Mm. So I guess that's sort of covering the same sort of theme as we've already seen. Yeah. But um, my my other yeah. my problem with um, TV series when they based on movies is some of the law that would be covered in um, movies would not be covered in TV series, though. Usually it's the other way around because you have more time to expand the law in the TV show. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. You yeah. can get a lot more done in, say, 10 hours of TV than you can in 
two hours of movie. Yeah, that's true. With the level, with the number of exposition, yeah, on TV series. Yeah, that's true. And that's yeah, true. especially now that it's trendy to do shows that are like serialized because you don't have to worry anymore about people missing an episode and not knowing what's going on. Yeah, but so you can do a show that's serialized and builds up each week. Oh, unless if they follow the Netflix model, which just binge the whole thing. Yeah. Well, even then, you can still serialize it in a way that you can't. Like mm. X-Files, each episode's pretty much standalone, but come along another 10 or 15 years and shows are coming out that are like X-Files sort of density of law, but they go into a lot more detail about it because you're going to see every episode. And if you miss one, you can go back and watch it on Netflix or whatever. Yeah. But before you need to tape it on your TV and watch it before the next episode comes out. So since there's catch up options, you can go into a lot more depth now. And you were asking earlier about whether Dumbledore was uh, revealed to be gay before the books came out. Well, the main book that all the books were out by 2007. Um, and JK said after the publication of the last book, she always thought of Dumbledore as gay. So it couldn't have been that she said Dumbledore was gay before it was in the books because she didn't say anything about it before the book. What do you reckon, Debbie Boy, a Harry Potter TV series? I reckon, yes, but also some hesitant. Like, personally, I don't really care too much. I don't really give it. Like, it's a good series and all, but I don't really care too much about it. Um, but, I don't know. I think yeah. if they do a good job, they'll be good. Otherwise, no. But I think J.K. Rowling has a lot of control in the series. That's how it's always worked with her. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, with um, what she's been writing recently, I'm not sure she has... Yeah. Has it in her to pull off another hit? I haven't actually seen past, like, the first Fantastic Beast was all right. Um, I've seen better movies, definitely. <laughs> but, you know, it was pretty generic and by the numbers. But yes. it was interesting seeing the Harry Potter world in America in the 1920s. Yes, I agree. The, um, the other ones, I don't know if I've heard anyone say anything good about... Uh, What's the second one called? Crimes of Grindelwald? Uh, yeah. Um, so I don't know if I've heard anyone say anything good about that. Yeah, the Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah. Yeah. Although, um, and then there's other stuff that she goes on about. I think it's funny that she's known for being so unprogressive. But back in um, a few years ago, she said, maybe gay people just look like people when someone said they Oof. couldn't see Dumbledore as gay. I was Oof. like, yeah, that's how you write a gay character. They're just <laughs> a character who happens to be gay. <laughs> you don't go around like the first thing out of their mouth shouldn't be I'm gay. I'm gay. But then you find out the other thing she said about trans people hey, and all that. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. For that point, it's like, yeah, you're not going to make your character jump around in a, you know, bright relic, you know, bright um, rainbow flag, you know, shirt and it's like, yo boys, guess my sexuality. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in hindsight, it's kind of like, okay, Mr. Rowling, please take a seat over there, please. Mrs. Rowling, not Mr. Oh. Both of them should. Oh. <laughs> Is she married? Uh, I, I think she was. She, yeah, she was, and then yeah, she was, and then she got divorced. Yeah, and she, oh, then she got married again. <laughs> oh, okay. There is a Miss Rowling. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, she's she gets some things right, and some things she's so far off the point. <laughs> but yeah, it's um. The, the, the interesting, the, the other question I would have to wonder about a, a Harry Potter TV series is what tone are they going to use the uh, the series? Are they going to make it as dark as the future as? 
the last three uh, last three books? Or are they going to make it as uh, like happy ha- like uh, the first two? It would have to depend on the topic. Yeah, like the Marauders plotline that I came up with earlier. Start off with them just being mates, and then have a couple of them turn evil and so on. That would start off fairly light and then go dark, much like the actual Harry Potter books did. But there are a lot of other stories you can tell in the universe, um, things that have been hinted at that just aren't covered. And they could be, you know, they could do the whole range from incredibly dark through to really lighthearted. That's what I was hoping to get from Fantastic Beasts, that there'd be a series of movies about this uh, biologist going around having adventures researching magical beasts. But um, not quite what we got. Because <laughs> we got to have that plot hook for Grindelwald. We couldn't have a standalone movie that does its own thing with its own merits. Uh, uh, there are, uh, I'm looking at J.K. Rowling's other works um, on, in the Harry Potterverse. There are a couple of e-books that she came out with. Like there's the Hogwarts, an incomplete and unreliable guide. Short stories from Hogwarts of politics, powers, and pesky poltergeists. Uh, short stories from Hogwarts of heroism, hardship, and dangerous hobbies. I mean, they could, they could, you could make a TV series out of that one as well. Yeah, there's also a few other little things she's done, and there's tons of content of varying amounts of ridiculous on Pottermore. Mm. So there is the ridiculous things like wizards went to the toilet on the floor until long after the toilet was invented. That comes from Pottermore. But then there's some really interesting posts exploring like how your wand chooses you and what effects the different types of wands have. Or they could. If here's another idea for a TV series. Um, it's I'm looking this up. This is called. It's unofficially known as the Harry Potter prequel. And it is the uh, the stories recounting an encounter with multiple police experienced by Sirius Black and James Potter. Okay. Well, so just, why didn't you tell us this earlier? <laughs> no, no, this, uh, shit. this one is uh, apparently the manuscript for this one was stolen in 2017. Oh, okay. Well, that's a long time in showbiz, so... yeah. It could be anything at this point. They said from the prequel, I'm not working, I am not highlighted <laughs> working on, but that was fun. <laughs> okay. I will have to, uh, actually, you, uh, perf- a good one to look at would be the, um, I would love to see a TV series of, of the love triangle between the, b- between those, between um, James Potter, Snape and Lily. That would be a great TV series. I feel like they got covered enough in the books. And I don't think it's a great uh, storyline because it's, you know, James Potter and the girl who would become his wife and then the creepy stalker who follows her around everywhere. Oh, but think of it like it'd be like another episode of Riverdale, you know, like like teenage drama stuff. You got the emo kid, the jock. No, 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 please no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we do not need Harry Potter. What's the name of that show? Degrassi? Something Which like one? that. Degrassi? Yeah, Degrassi. <laughs> yeah, we do not need Harry Potter Degrassi. <laughs> Don't give them ideas, DJ. <laughs> oh, well, there goes well, there goes my uh, my ideas of 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 world domination, unlike a certain company I can think of. Which one would this be? Uh, uh Google. Um, um, uh, uh, apparently, apparently, uh, the Google stole my ideas of world domination. Stole it. So uh, I've probably been working on this a lot longer than you have. <laughs> 
Well, recently they've been having a fight against Australia. Recently. So uh, so I don't know whether you guys are familiar with what's happening with Google versus Australia. Yeah, yeah. They said basically, hey, boys, if you keep our frustration, we're out. <laughs> yeah. So the Australian government wanted to create a digital media code where tech companies like Google would have to pay local media companies for providing their content in search. And Google says, that's not okay. If you do that, we will literally stop being in Australia. And Google's saying, like, if you do that, we will take away our search page at, 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 in Australia. Yeah, and we know that they'll already do this because this is what they did in Spain when Spain brought in a similar law. So I like that uh, Belinda Barnett, an expert in media regulation at Swinburne University, says, I'm not entirely sure whether they're serious about the threat when they've already done it before. <laughs> There was an, uh, from what I've heard, there was an interesting back and forth between a politician and the Google executive about it, saying like, "This is not working out. We, if you if you do this, Australia, we will pull out." Like, I dare you, I double dare you. Yeah, I don't think there's um, it's going to be a great thing if Google leaves Australia. Australia is a pretty small market, and Google would just walk away and not care. Uh, so here's one. So the managing director of Google Australia in New Zealand, Mel Silver, told a parliamentary hearing that the proposed scheme is unworkable. It was unworkable and untenable for them. She goes on saying the principle of unrestricted linking between websites is fundamental to research and coupled with the unimaginable, um, unmanageable financial and operational risks. If this version of the code were to become law, it would give us no real choice but to stop making Google search available in Australia. This is the this is our worst case scenario, and we don't want to be in this situation. We would love to get an outcome where it's workable outcome for all parties. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> I don't know that our government's good at dealing with tech companies, considering oh, a few really? years ago. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you remember a few years ago when they said um, they can ban encryption because the laws of mathematics are admirable, but we follow the laws of Australia. <laughs> yeah, not going to happen, man. And now ScoMo's saying, we don't respond to threats. <laughs> so I'm genuinely thinking Google's going to pull out and I'm going to have to transfer my stuff off Google. Oh, <laughs> oh but it's only the website, though, if I recall, not, not like the <laughs> only other search at this point. Yeah, only Hopefully so. it stays that way. Uh, hey, boys, we're getting rid of uh, Google Chrome and all that stuff. Like, I know you spent like $15 million. <laughs> nah, bye-bye. 20 uh, million people look- suddenly download Firefox. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Firefox would be the new game sta- GameStop if that happened. <laughs> Apparently Facebook um, was watch- is closely watching this as well. Of course they are. Yeah, this would also affect Facebook. Yeah. Facebook, Twitter, any site that has a news section that draws from Australian media outlets is going to be affected by this. Yep. So, of course, they're watching, but Google's only one's going head-to-head, at least at the moment. Yeah. yeah. One um, Facebook representative, uh, Simon Milner, said that social media giant has three concerns concerning about the legislation. One is the mandating that we have, to, we have commercial gr- arrangements with every single publisher in Australia. The, sh- the sheer volume of that we regard as unworkable. Yeah, it's not, man. You guys have the resources. <laughs> it's more you just don't want to do it. Okay. Yeah. 
the second is a process of binding arbitration in price negotiations instead of good faith negotiations. What negotiations, though? <laughs> I'm sorry I'm nitpicking, but I'm being genuine here. Like, like you're not negotiating with anyone right now, but you're taking most of the revenue. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I agree with you there. I agree with you, David. And third is a non-differential differentiation clause that prevents us from offering commercial terms to certain publishers and changing how we display their content regardless of whether we agree a deal. Oh boy. So in other words, they're saying that, uh, yeah, we can't, um, we will, we will check, we, we, we can change it however we want and you, you can't do shit. We control it now. <laughs> uh, Look at me. I'm the search engine now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, I can see the memes coming out of this now. Oh, well, look says, at what they did to Jeeves. Oh no, I feel so old now thinking about that. Yeah, like there are search engines that can replace Google, mostly. I'd probably fully go over, like I use DuckDuckGo as well, and I'd probably go all the way over to DuckDuckGo if I had hmm. to. But the areas that worry me personally are G Suite. Yes. And Android. Mm. Because, yeah, Android open source project. Basically, Android that doesn't include any Google services. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, the thing would be all worried about your Google Home services, right? Because, like, that's a lot of money going to those things that could just all not work anymore. Yeah. What's going to be interesting is other countries are going to be watching this now and going, you know what? We should do that too. Possibly. I mean, uh, can you imagine um, if let's let's uh, let's pick one off the drop of off England for example? England would be like, yeah, let's do that too. That'd be a big chunk of their market gone as well. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think Australia is big enough to have any real bargaining power here. I mean, I don't want to find out. It's going to be waiting, which is not exactly the most uh, calming nerve. They said, um, I feel sorry for the small business owners in this one, though. I mean, they rely, uh, but most, a lot of um, small business owners rely on Google just to ship out their products and stuff. And now Google's saying, like, yeah, we're going to get rid of this uh, search engine from you. And they'd be like, ah, oh, crud. Where am I going to, how am I going to advertise my business now? Yeah. C- can you imagine India getting, um, knocking out Google? That would be a very, very big market gone. So, uh, Debbie boy, what, what nerdful thing have you done? Oh no, what have I done? Uh, I've been doing a media binge. Ooh. So mostly watching movies on repeat. Um, so the biggest ones this week have been watching Star Wars Studio Ghibli's catalog, as well as some of the, uh, uh, films that are being submitted to the Oscars in terms of the animation. Nice. Which ones? So I'll probably put it at two so we're not here forever. There's two main films to watch this week, and that was Princess Mononoke and Wolf Walkers. Oh, yeah. Mononoke is such a beautiful film. Oh, it is gorgeous. But, I mean, can't really say much more than has already been said about it. Like, story's very well done. So I think the ending's a bit rushed. I would have liked a bit more of an epilogue. Um, but, you know, overall, very enjoyable film. Beautiful art. Beautiful soundtrack. You know, it's a 5 out 5 classic. Okay. Can't say more. Wolfwalkers, on the other hand, this is a brand new film from um, an Irish studio. And what's the Irish studio called again? Go search. Uh, top of my head. What's it called? Uh, Cartoon Saloon. That's it. Yep. And uh, pretty much it's their third film in their, I think it's the final in their series of Irish based myths and legends. And it's, oh, it's fantastic. I've watched it like, rewatched like four times now in the last <laughs> week. Wow, that good. Huh? 
I mean, it's current to say Rotten Tomatoes is 99% critic score, 100% viewer score. That's so it's, pretty rare. Like, it is, it deserves it, honestly. Like, it's art's beautiful, the music's amazing, uh, the story is fantastic in terms of, like, it, it's been done before, um, but it's got enough of a spin that feels brand new and fresh. Um, I mean, mainly because the visuals are just, like, there's a lot of cinematic framing in some areas. The voice act, acting is great. I have some people from Lord of the Rings returning, in fact. Um, uh, one of the main guys who plays Goodfellow, who's basically the father in the film. Um, who is he? Let's go down to BB. What is his name? Um, who plays yeah, Bill Goodfellow. Uh, seen oh, seen uh, Bean? Uh, seen Bean? Oh, what's his name? Sean Bean? Yeah, Sean Bean. Yeah, Sean Bean, yeah. No, so he plays the father. And all of them do. Even the child. So there's two child actors as main characters, but they... One of them hasn't even acted it before, but they do such a fantastic job. Like, you could even tell. Well, obviously, you tell the children, but they're playing children. But, you know, that was their first time. Like, it is just phenomenal. And, yeah, like, um, the story and everything is just so beautiful. Does Sean Bean's character die on this one? No. Ah. Well, close to. Close. <laughs> um, so, basically, um, there's father and daughter who lost their mum, and they've come to Ireland from England uh, in the 1650, basically. And pretty much uh, the town lord has basically put them up that the father needs to go hunt wolves. And this plays into the fact that there's this myth in Ireland that these are people called the Wolfwalkers, who basically have a power of healing as well as being able to... It's not exactly werewolves. It's not exactly you transform into a wolf. Physically, it's more mentally in a way. Um, it's it's a cool spin. It's, it's still werewolves, you can say in air quotes, but it's not really werewolves. But the point being is they can control wolves, basically, right? So this plays out with the daughter basically wanting to gain freedom. And she's been locked inside this town. She's not allowed out to everything. And then she basically breaks herself out for a bit. And then gets in contact with these wolves and basically the plot spirals from there. And it's just so flippant. Like, the music is great. There's these amazing moments where the cinema, like, there's, there's a few amazing things to do with the cinematography. Firstly, in particular moments, they do a lot of cinematic camera angles and um, dark edges to really focus you in on what's really important, as well as, so in the town, the animators use a lot of very uh, sharp, pointy triangle, triangular, triangular shapes, right, to represent, like, you know, power and that, you know, in the human world, a lot of things are straight, designed, you know what I mean, right? Then whenever you are in the forest and stuff, they use a lot of round rectangular, not rectangular, um, you know, circular, uh, polygonish sort of shapes to give you a sense of um, nature, you know, lots of lines and things. So like, just all these things come together to make it so flipping good. Now I'll be here for like 20 minutes. Going on. <laughs> I give it like a hundred out of five nerdy beanies. It, it's, oh, dude, it's so good. Ah, it sounds like uh, Devil Boy's been blown away by good good movies. Oh, flip! Like it's it's this and Prince Monoke are pretty similar in terms of the actual general plot. In terms of it's basically girl is in human world or boy for Prince Monoke's sake. They, that person gets struck with some sort of na- nature defying thing that doesn't make them harmless and human evil, and now they protect the forest. You know, it's that general setup, but does it so well. It's just fantastic. So yes, highly recommend. Give it a watch right now. It is better than Soul. 100%. You know, I know Soul's going to win the Oscars because it always does. Any Pixar base is always going to win simply because of principle. But this is far exceeds Soul, I believe. 
Uh, so what notable thing have you done, uh, Professor? I've been playing a mobile game, which is pretty rare for me. So Aww. I started playing this game over Christmas while I was away and didn't have access to my PC. It's called The Burnable Garbage Day. <laughs> what? <laughs> you play as this, like, it's basically Wally. You play as this <laughs> robot cleaning up the planet and helping people develop their society and, you know, revive the Earth. It's really incredibly simple. It's literally just a, a tapping game, basically. But it has, a, apart from the English, it's uh, not very well translated from Japanese. <laughs> and some of the quests are really hard because of that. They um, they didn't really translate some of the stuff directly, and it doesn't make a lot of sense sometimes. But um, it's got a, a sweet little story with multiple endings. Like every other Japanese game we can think of. Yeah, doesn't take any uh, any microtransactions or anything. There's an option to watch ads to get more battery power. So you have a battery that recharges over time. But the other thing is you don't need to worry too much about that because, um, you know, you just play for five or ten minutes a day and then eventually you get basically infinite batteries and don't have to worry about it. How many early beanies would you give the, that uh, game out of? Um, I think 2.7. It is it is only a mobile game, but it's really simple. The story's nice. The gameplay is too simple. The translation makes some of the quests really painful. Although there are funny moments where... Uh, characters will ask you for a random item and they'll be like hey do you have pistol and then you give them the pistol and they're like oh i see this is cool i'm going to go use it right now but um yeah i think um it's an interesting concept and i'd like to see what it could, what it could be if there was more done with it but mm. the story does you know it is a nice story so you know worth checking out uh, i've been uh, continuing to watch uh, x arm the third third episode came out th- uh, this week and <laughs> you continue your suffering yes you choose the pain <laughs> Okay, okay. Uh, before I start, uh, before I say how bad episode three was, I gotta also say I, I rewatched episode two as well, and I, I noticed some new stuff that I didn't cover in the in the last time I spoke about this. Um, the bad guys, they all look like Cobra Commando um, mixed with Ku Klux Klan outfits. You know how the Cobra Commando he wears like this rag around his face with two eyes, two eye holes. Is that he's a commander or something? Yeah, no, that makes him like that. That, make, that makes him like a suicide bomber. They made. Oh gosh! I'm like all it's these. It's got a balaclava. Is that the word you're looking for? No, not the bal- not balaclava. It's actually a towel, like a towel with two eye holes, and like dress up like the Cobra Commander. But it, it's all white towels as well. <laughs> like okay, I'm, I'm not sure. sure. Mm, I'm just like confused here. Would you be able to share us a photo? Yeah, I, I, I could. Yeah, yeah, I could. Please. Yeah. <laughs> Episode three gets even funnier. So, um, so during the du- during this time when Akira was was away, uh, Japan ha- um gave a an African dictator um a, a, asylum basically, and the name of this guy you would it's funny it's Master Moore. As in M M R A W, and uh, he was is uh, basically he's um he he had a role in some genocide in an African country, and uh his victims were his victims have no faces basically, uh, and and so they had to so their mission is they had to go to this um go to this this general's house and do investigation and 
this general has a maid who can who who has a who has a power who has that power to um take away people's faces and oh it's so bad <laughs> the animation style. Oh. Hang on a second, let me f- um find the thing. Oh, the uh, like like in the the fight the the fight is terrible and it, what's even funnier is um the guy in the the, the um the guy in in the in, in the female's body is like let me try and talk her out of ki- talk her out and killing people and how's that going it didn't go well mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like she's like why do you have to do this and she's like i'm just fulfilling my uh my master's will like you don't have to kill people like you're in the middle of a fight you it shouldn't be talking it should be that would be like Batman saying to Joker, "Hey Joker, why are you killing all these people? Don't kill all these people." And you, you think Joker's gonna go like, "You know what, Batman? I should do that. I should stop killing." Well, people. you're working Doctor Who. Did it though? <laughs> yes, it did. But was it really effective? Like, did they did they act genuinely stop, or was it just like I lied? No, they genuinely stop. They sacrificed their life to. I'm talking about the Missy plot line. In uh, Peter Capaldi's last season. Oh, good old Missy. Yeah. So, <laughs> the debate about whether Sasha Dewan is uh, before or after Missy. But um, either way, for at least one regeneration, the Doctor managed to make the Master good. <laughs> for at least one, but then... <laughs> yeah. So whether Missy died on the uh, spaceship or not doesn't really matter. But that plotline, talking to her, did get her to stop being evil eventually. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> well, duh. It's Doctor Who. And say, oh, here we go. I, I found a picture. Yeah, say, yeah, okay, I got a genuine question for you quickly. Yeah. Does anything in Doctor Who actually matter? Yes. For four or five years until the new show writer wipes it all out. <laughs> Let me, let me let me post this up on uh let me post this picture. The, look at look at these pictures. Look at this face. Like look at the face of this thing. <laughs> it look like it's Cobraker. Yeah, that that's bad. <laughs> it's like watching Cobra Commando just turn into okay no. <laughs> Like I said, episode three. So, like the animation stuff, the the fight gets the fight between the maid and the secret agent is annoying. Then you get to the part where they have this shooting standoff, and the Japanese police force are like, "We can't shoot this guy because we're in a UN area. We can we don't have proper clearance, even though they're they're pinned down by gunfire." Oh, and some of the androids that were that were firing at the cops. It's basically a ripoff of um, Boston Dynamic Robot Dogs. Okay then. <sighs> and uh, I also I noticed an animation error. So one scene where where they have like this big gigantic robot coming out and smashing all these buildings. Uh, she fires at one of the tanks, and in one scene the tank gets obliterated and blown up. In another scene, the tank that was obliterated and blown up is there. Gee, someone messed that one up. <laughs> Wait, what the? Wait, what? The tank survived. I mean, I've seen worse. (laughs) In Archer, there's a character who gets killed but comes back in the next episode because someone screwed up, (laughs) and then they they never appear again. So it's just that the episode that they get killed in was switched around or something, and Uh ah, we solved it. Yeah, someone forgot to make the change. Oops. Were they an important character in an episode after, or was it kind of like okay, background character? Yeah. Yeah, they're just one of the background technicians. 
<laughs> and I'm um, immortal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this one, um, this this is the first part of a two-part episode. It's it, it's introducing a new mysterious character, apparently that that might be uh, that might be one of the good guys because we've seen it in the opening scene. Uh, mm. But yeah, I'm still gonna give it zero out of five because this the animation's so jarring and the story's even more jarring as well. So yeah, fair enough. One day I want. One day I, I want to see you two like squirm at this show just to see how and, and see oh, oh, you rip, it, oh, oh, rip oh, into oh, it. Thank you. <laughs> really? I have better things to do with my time. Likewise. <laughs> oh come on! The bigger the scandal, the bigger the curiosity. Should we hide? I think we should hide. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to hiding. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. So uh, we'll take a short break, then um, we'll be back with the shout-outs, remembrances, famous birthdays, and events of interest. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So uh, on to our shout outs. On the 22nd of January 2021, Ron Campbell passed away at 81. He was the director for much of the Saturday morning Beatles cartoon series and an animator on the Beatles film Yellow Submarine. That was a gr- that was a good movie. So he was he made his uh, he was educated at Swinburne Art- Arts Institute and he made his big mark when he directed the successful cartoon series The Beatles, which was aired in 19 19- from 1965 to 69, and um, had the it had the actors voicing the characters John, Paul, George, and Ringo. It's kind of funny that they had an Aussie making something so British. <laughs> Come on, we're, we're we're technically majority British. British. Yeah, a few hundred decades ago, depending on obviously where you came from. Australia is so multicultural. I can't say it's really half the population, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, in the late sixties, working with his friend and colleague Dwayne Crowther. They animated many scenes in the Beatles' Yellow Submarine feature film, including the Sea of Time sequence and much of the action between Chief Blue Meanie and his bootlicking sidekick, Max. He also animated many scenes involving the multi-named Jeremy Hillary Boob, PhD, a.k.a. the Nowhere Man. In uh, Hollywood, he would go on to work on a wide variety wide array of animated TV series, including, but not limited to, The Smurfs, The Jetsons, The Flintstones, Scooby-Doo, Rugrats, Rocket Power, and Ed, Ed and Eddie. Uh, he died in Phoenix, Arizona. Man, what a resume that guy has. Mm. Uh, 23rd of January 2021, Larry King passed away at 87. The Peabody Award-winning um, broadcaster was among America's most prominent interviewers of celebrities, presidents, and other newsmakers during a half-a-century career that included 25 years with a nightly show on CNN. King conducted an estimated 30,000 on-air interviews in court According to CNN, in 1995, it presided over a Middle East peace summit with Palestine Liberation Organization Chairman Yasser Arafat, King Hussein of Jordan, and Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin. That must be a very, very tense conference. Uh, He's interviewed everyone from Dalai Lama to Elizabeth Taylor, 
from Mikhail Gorbachev to Barack Obama, Mike Tyson to Lady Gaga. Uh, he's known for getting guests who are, who were notoriously elusive. For example, Frank Sinatra, who rarely gave interviews and often lashed out reporters, spoke to King in 1988, which, which was the singer's last major TV appearance. In June 2010, King abruptly announced that he would be retiring from, from a show, telling viewers, it's time to hang up my nightly suspenders. He died at Cedar Sinai. Cedar Sinai Medical Center, Los Angeles. Uh, 23rd of January 2021, Alberto Grimaldi passed away at 95. He was the film producer whose credits include Spaghetti Westerns, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and Martin Scorsese's Gangs of New York. He collaborated with Sergio Leone in 1965 for the movie A Few Dollars More, starring Clint Eastwood. The two also worked together where Grimaldi produced uh, Leone's epic spaghetti western good the bad the ugly which scored 25 million at the box office and is credited with skyrock with skyrocketing eastward to fame his last production was scorsese's gangs of new york in 2002 which starred daniel day lewis leonardo dicaprio cameron diaz and liam neeson and was nominated for nine academy awards including best picture he died from natural causes in miami florida have you guys ever seen any of his any of his movies hmm i can't say i have like I know Scotty Westerns, but not like I know Sergio Leone. Yeah, bloody hell, man. Words. <laughs> Sergio, I know uh, for dancing music, but I don't. In terms of this guy's movies, I can't say I've actually seen any of them. Like I've seen all of the Clay Eastwood Spaghetti Westerns, but that's basically the end of my knowledge. Even the Gangs of New York. No, nah, I haven't even heard of that one. Sorry. Oh, that was a good movie. <laughs> Look at me. Oh no, Brad, what have you done? <laughs> so uh, onto our remembrances. Uh, 25th of January 1940, John Hurt, an English actor whose career spanned more than 50 years, he came into prominence as Richard Rich in the film A Man for All Seasons. He's known for other movies such as uh, the Harry Potter film series, the Hellboy films, the supernatural thriller The Skeleton Team, uh, V for Vendetta, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier. Uh, he portrayed in... He portrayed the War Doctor in the Doctor Who series in 2013, and his voice acting career encompassed films such as Warship Down in 1978, the Lord of the Rings film in 1978, uh, the Black Cauldron, Dogville, and the BBC TV series Merlin. He was knighted in 2015 for his services to drama. Uh, he died from pancreatic cancer at the age of 77 in Chroma, Norfolk. I will say his role as the War Doctor is the best. Was the best. Yes, there's not many other people who could have played it with that same mix of gravitas and lightheartedness. Yeah. Uh, on to our famous birthdays. On the 25th of January 1923, Arvid Carlsson, a Swedish neuropharmacologist who is best known for his work with neurotransmitter dopamine and its effects in Parkinson's disease. For his work on dopamine, Carlsson was awarded the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine in 2000, along with Eric Kandel and Paul Greengard. Carlson found that dopamine levels in the basal ganglia, a brain area important for movement, was particularly high. He then showed that giving animals the drug Resperin caused a decrease in dopamine levels and a loss of movement controls. These effects were similar to the symptoms of Parkinson's. By administering these animals L-Dopa, which is the precursor of dopamine, he could alleviate the symptoms. Uh, these, fi- these findings led other doctors to try L-Dopa with patients suffering Parkinson's disease, and it was found to alleviate some of the symptoms in the early stages of the disease. Uh, he and his colleagues were able to derive the first marketed s- 
selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, uh, zymolidine, and bromfer... Uh, I'm not going to get this pronunciation right. Bromfenrimine. <laughs> I, I really suck at Yeah, so that's an SSRI, which these days are mostly used as antidepressants. Uh, Carlson's research paved the way for fluzetine, which is Prozac, uh, one of the most pr- widely used prescription medicines in the world. He uh, opposed the fluoridation of drinking water in Sweden, and he was vo- also a vocal opponent of homeopathy and worked to prevent homeopathic preparations from being classified as medication in Sweden. Yes, how can you go from being so smart and not want fluorid and be against homeopathy, but then be like, nah, mate, fluoridated water's bad for you. Help me out here. Like, I, I'm hearing, like, I, I've heard, like, a lot of people pushing for this in, in our end of town. And then later on, they were like, you know what? We hate, we regret that. We regret our decision and putting fluoride in the water. Well, the thing is, it's a uh, massive improvement in dental health in regions that have fluoridated water. But there's some conspiracy theories that fluoride is, like, mind control or to keep you from complaining or something like that. Oh, is this one of those flying oh, no. I've, I've had fluoridated water and I still complain plenty, so. <laughs> is this one of those like 5G is, 5G is giving out cancer and stuff like that, which is pretty stupid? Yeah. Oh, man. He was born in Uppsala. Uh, events of interest. On the 25th of January 1947, Thomas Goldsmith Jr. files a patent for a cathode ray amusement device cathode ray tube amusement device, the first ever electronic game. It was inspired by the radar displays used in World War II. Goldsmith and Mann were granted their patent on December 14, 1948, making the first ever patent of an electronic game entitled Cathode Ray Amusement Device. The patent describes a game which each player controls the CRT's electron gun, much like an Etch-A-Sketch. The patent, the first for electronic game, was never used by either the inventors or Dumont Laboratories, and the device was never manufactured beyond the original handmade prototype. Goldsmith kept the device and brought it with him to Furman. In a 2016 interview, fellow physics professor Bill Brantley recalled Goldsmith demonstrating the game to him. The patent itself was not discovered until 2002, where David Winter, a French electronic collector, while searching for evidence of early prototypes of the 1972 Magnavox Odyssey console, found it in a set of documents in an archival warehouse originally compiled for a 1974 lawsuit by Magnavox against several arcade game companies. Yeah, that's um, really interesting. So other early video games used World War II era radar screens as well. So it's a damn shame he never pushed to make this more of a thing. Although I like how he, he just like, ah, what is this? I found this in, in, in a drawer somewhere. That happens a lot. That's how they found out about MKUltra. <laughs> the um, CIA tried to destroy all the evidence of MKUltra, except they'd misfiled some of it. Would you guys re- would you guys say this was the first ever electronic game, though? No, because it wasn't technically made. And there's you could debate whether it counts as a game. Is there a win condition? Is there a loss condition? So, yeah, I'd say the idea is there, but I wouldn't say it's an actual game itself. I think that would have come a few years later. Yeah, although it is uh, skimming over the patent again. It is basically um, Missile Command so oh, yeah. or or something quite similar to that. 
so I suppose in that case, it it does have a win condition and a loss condition. Like as I said, like the idea is there, but yeah. like you can tell they're tr- starting to go down that route of gamifying technology, but it's just just not there yet. But I think if it was made with a different storyline, or the physical thing was actually developed, then that could probably be, you know, that would be like the breakaway points. Like, okay, you've actually designed say as a win loss condition, and it's physically made. But like, what was this? Like, nineteen? What, what year was it again? The patent? The patent was nineteen forty-eight. Yeah, so the war had only just finished. So you're like directly coming out of that. It's, like computers were not even a thing yet, really. Like you had the code breaking machine over the British labs, but like it still had a good few amount of years until you start. You got to the MBI, you know, the massive uh, M. Oh my God, MBI. I'm missing FBI and IBM together. What have I done? <laughs> Massive IBM, you know, mainframe computers. So, like, it was ahead of its time, basically, best way to say. On the uh, 25th of January, 1961, in Washington, D.C., President John F. Kennedy delivers the first live presidential television news conference. So from the podium in the State Department Auditorium, Kennedy read a prepared statement regarding the famine in the Congo, the release of two American aviators from Russian custody, and impending negotiations for an atomic test ban treaty. Kennedy's most famous quote from the address was, Let every nation know whether it wishes wishes us well or ill, that we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. On he was a good day, talker. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of great lines from JFK speeches. Are you all right there, Debbie? <laughs> what? Are you okay there? You look like you're, you're about to, like, keel over or something. Like yeah, I almost fell on a chair. Sorry, guys. <laughs> this week's surreal. You need some WD-40. It does, doesn't it? I do apologize to anyone listening if he doesn't get edited out. Just like <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so ever since that, uh, ever since his presidential debate with Nixon in 1960, Kennedy has been aware of the media's enormous power to sway public opinion. On that day, Kennedy had appeared rested, well groomed, and in control. Nixon, on the other hand, was not as telegenic as Kennedy and appeared sweaty and flustered. His five o'clock shadow created more of a stir than his responses to the moderator's question. And that's where um, Billy West got his um, Nixon impersonation from. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Uh, he saw that debate and thought, you know, Nixon looks like he's turning into a werewolf, which is why he's going, <laughs> Oh, that's a cool story. So uh, that's all we have for this week. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, that's not canon.com. We have an archive of our old episodes and new podcasts such as Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast that talks about science, comedy, and ignorance. And now in the second decade, learn to learn to how to farm vampires, profit from the Great Chicago Fire, or study how to cook and prepare a xenomorph. Greg and Dan are professional ent- entertainers, and each month they delve into the world of science and nature, from the vast distances between the stars to the tiniest leap between subatomic particles. Greg and Dan find space for curiosity, enthusiasm, and rude jokes. So uh, that's all we have for this week. Uh, look after yourself, stay hydrated, and hoo See you next time. Devi. Devi. <laughs> I think we killed him.
Tevi. Tevi, boy. Hey boy, time for the sign off. Oh, damn, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye, guys. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.